So many weeks ago, I said that I was going to do this whole series of talks on the 37 weeks of Wings of Awakening, and we didn't get very far. We talked some about this wonderful list of lists, is really what it is, that describes many elements that are useful for waking up. And we talked about the four foundations of mindfulness one night, and then different things happened, the holidays and my father's death, and so there's been a long gap, but I really wanted to pick the list back up because it, it's a really wonderful way to get a kind of a survey of, of Buddhist thinking and practice. And so tonight I want to talk about what the wise use of effort or wise use of energy. But I want to start with a story, which will probably make you wonder a little about how it fits in, but that's all right. And it's a story from my own life many, many years ago when I was single. And um, I'd had a relationship with a quite lovely man, and it was very intense, but it was also very short-lived, six months or eight months or so. And um, when it came to an end... It wasn't um, an angry end, so it was one of those ends of relationships where you think, well, is it going to be possible to be friends? And so some of you, probably all of you, have had this experience. And so in the discussion about would we be able to be friends, one day we were having lunch at Aldo's down by the harbor. And it was not being a very fun lunch and he wasn't being really very nice I didn't think and while we were sitting there along came a seagull and the seagull pooped on his head (laughs) (laughs) and I have to say (laughs) I got a little bit of satisfaction out of him So you might wonder. But, interestingly enough, this week, um, one of the Jataka tales about the life of the Buddha before he was the Buddha came to me. And these are a wonderful set of several hundred, actually, stories about different animals and people who the theory is, were incarnations of the Buddha before he became the Buddha. And in one of them, he was born as a crow. And so <clears throat> in the story, um, in the, it's, in the, it's set in the city of Varanasi, and um, one day the high priest goes out for a walk. And um, he's very, he's quite an elegant high priest, and he had adorned himself with flowers and nice robes, and, and he had a very shiny bald head. And it so happened that there were a couple of crows in the neighborhood, not the one that was going to be the Buddha. And one crow spotted this shiny bald head and all of this adornment, and you know what he thought. 
he thought, aha, what a great target. And so without any further ado, he flew over the, you know, over the, towards the priest and he flew over his head and he poked on his head. And so the high priest was just hugely upset, as you can imagine. So I'm going to stop there. There's a lot more to the story. So this was interesting. It was sort of interesting that I was thinking about effort, and I, along came the story. And the story has a number of different scenes in it. And we can really look at what is it about this mind? Because the understanding about the, the four wise efforts, which are the list that is in the 37 Wings of Awakening, are the effort to abandon an unskillful mind, unskillful state of mind, if it's already arisen, and also the effort to guard against it. So if, if you know, to keep an unskillful state from arising. And then the effort to sustain a skillful state if it's already there, and the effort to develop it if it's not. So those are the four wise efforts. So here's our crow friend, our mischievous prankster crow friend, who has this impulsive, I can't resist that target. Every one of us knows this place, that place where the temptation comes up to say something cute or smart or sometimes a little edgy or whatever. We know this place. Anybody who doesn't know it, you know? And so the temptation is there, right? And, and it's, a, it's a state of mind that often, if it gets rolling, as it did with our crow friend, it doesn't stop. There's no pause to consider, is this a skillful mind state? So one of the things that becomes really clear when you start looking at this list is we're invited not to trust what arises in the mind. It's not a good idea. A lot of it isn't so skillful. And so this crow being a crow and whatever didn't even begin to think about should I do this? Is this skillful? What could be the possible results? So the story goes on. So the priest who is not happy with what's on his beautiful, shiny, bald head, is really angry, really, really angry. And he shakes his fist at the crow, and he vows that he is going to take revenge. He doesn't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to take revenge. And so his anger not only arises, he didn't make any effort to prevent it from arising, but then he feeds it, and he thinks about it days and weeks and months about how he hates crows and he's going to get them somehow someday. So again, this is a place where there's no effort made, it's an unwise use of effort, if you will, either to prevent the mind state from arising, or once it's there, he didn't, he was I don't know if he was enjoying it, it's a little hard to imagine enjoying that kind of mind state, but we've all done it, right? That place where you 
rehearse what happened. He said, she said, I did. And then you get really mad all over again. And then you think of maybe two or three more reasons why you really should be mad. And then you do it all over again. And you know, and we keep scraping away at at the the mind state, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. So this is not a wise use of effort. This is not what is exactly the opposite of what the Buddha is pointing us toward. So, um, it may be important to say that when unskillful mind states arise, or even when the mind is inclined in that direction, one of the things about the wise use of effort is it has to be wise. So you can't just beat yourself up. You know, if you start doing that, that's not such a wise use. Or if you really, if it gets to be a kind of straining kind of thing, that's not such a wise use. It has to be kind of gentle and kind and all of the things that the the Buddha encourages us to have in terms of our mind. So, so sometimes, you know, sometimes um, as we something happens to us and some response comes up, there is a place even for sometimes a fairly strong response or a fairly ferocious response when it's considered and thought about, is this the wise and skillful thing to do? I think of those kinds of responses as the mama bear kind of response where you say, no, you can't do this to me or you can't hurt that other being over there, whatever it is that you're taking a strong stand about. So meanwhile, back at our story, there's um, a goat girl who's watching a herd of goats. And so the the priest, the Brahmin priest, is over here stewing around. And she's watching this herd of goats. And she's feeling really tired and kind of lazy. And she's just a kid. She doesn't like watching goats. And so she keeps dozing off. And there's a goat who figures out that when she dozes off, he can come and sneak some of the grain and stuff he isn't supposed to be eating. And so he comes over and... Then she wakes up and she chases him away and and she falls asleep again and then he comes over and finally she decides she's going to get him. And so she lights a stick and lets it, keeps it by her side sort of smoldering and she pretends she's going to sleep. And the goat sneaks over one more time and she throws the burning stick at him. The goat runs off, but unfortunately the burning stick falls into a heap of straw it bursts into flame, the fire whooshes around, it goes into the stalls where the king's elephants are, there's a big fire, the elephants get hurt, and the elephants are badly burned. And the king is really upset. So he invites his priest friend in, our priest friend, what should he do about his elephants who are injured? And the priest, who's been nursing this anger, thinks here's my chance and he says the recipe for burnt elephants backs is crow fat and what you should do is go out and gather up as many crows as you can and kill them and boil them to get the fat out of them this is interesting you see how these things keep going right 
It's just amazing. And we all know this. It's a, it's a wonderful story because it makes us laugh, and yet I'll bet you'll be thinking about it, you know, over the next days. And so they start going after all the crows, and pretty soon the whole crow community is just filled, as the story says, they're filled with the fear of death because so many of them are being gathered up and killed. So, there is this one crow who is the Bodhisattva, the Buddha-to-be. And some of the crows who are so scared go and talk to him and said that he lived in a cemetery outside of town. And... um, and so he, they go to him and say, please, you know, what can you do? Can you help us? Because he's known for being kind of a wise crow. And so he thinks about it, and he decides that he has to go to see the king. So here's the interesting thing. He then considers, what's the most skillful state of mind to take into this encounter? What do I need to do? You know, where, where do I need to be? And he thinks about the list of the paramis, the patience and, and effort and mindfulness and wisdom and, and all of that. And he finally decides that the quality that would be most helpful is the quality of loving kindness. And so he directs his mind. So this is the wise use of effort, right? And he directs his mind toward loving kindness and he kind of brings it up in his being. This is what would be helpful. So he's preparing for this encounter. And then he goes and he visits with the king and they have a conversation. And um, he tells the king that he too is a king He says, I too am a king. A great fear has been born in my people, the fear of death. Is it not true, your majesty, that a king should do everything in his power for the well-being and safety of his people? And, And then he goes on to tell the king that his high priest has fallen under the influence of anger and is completely held by it and that he has spoken an untruth. And he he has told you that crow's fat will heal the wounds on your elephant's back. But the truth is that crows have almost no fat at all. Which is true. You think about it, I don't see fat crows. And so the king talks to him and and they go back and forth. And in the end, um, the bodhisattva, it says he instructs him the king in the five precepts he asks for an end to the slaughter of crows and he asks for protection for all um, creatures Um, and then he offers the the king offers the crow a kingdom but the crow turns it down that he just has a good meal instead so you know wonderful story about mind states and and their difficulties So each of us has to find our own way through this. This mind thing is really tricky. You know, what is the most skillful mind state for this moment? Where is my mind in this moment? 
really looking. The goat girl didn't pay much attention to her mind, didn't think about the impact of a sleepy, inattentive mind. But the sleepy, inattentive mind, and then the reaction that came out of that, led to this huge conflagration and the injuries of all of these animals. When we have sleepy, inattentive minds, sometimes it leads to difficult situations. We're reactive, we're tired, you know, we're not paying too much attention, we, we react, and then something very difficult arises. So this is really talking about um, gradually, gradually, in a kind and compassionate and wise way, using your energy to give your attention to your own mind-heart experience so that you can respond to any situation in the most skillful way possible. You might notice, out of all of the options, only 25%, only one of them, really gets to be about staying where you are. Isn't that interesting? So most of them are either abandoning the unskillful state or developing the skillful state or guarding against some unskillful state that might be coming toward you. So it actually sounds, as I listen to it, it sounds like it takes a fair amount of work and energy. And you have to do it in your own way. There are many different kinds of ways. It's Working with difficult qualities, for example, there's seven different things that you can do. And it's they, it starts with as simple as just seeing it. Because sometimes seeing it is enough, isn't it? Sometimes that's all the effort it takes is, oh, look, I'm a bit cranky. And then you realize, uh, not so skillful. And you do whatever you need to do, and that's it. It's easy, right? You've just seen it. And sometimes it actually involves some kind of restraint or avoidance. And sometimes the last one, one of the last ones on the list is destroying it, you know, and just wiping it out. Some practice is painful and slow. Some practice for some people is painful and quick. Some practice is pleasant and slow. And sometimes it's pleasant and quick. So that's really saying... Your, everybody's practice is different. It might be easy for some of you. It might be really hard for some of you. Different mind states will be easier or harder. And it's really, this working with effort and energy is very much an art to be developed. So that as, as every situation unfolds, the question is, where is, where is the freedom in this situation? How can I be in this moment so that, not at the very least, no harm will be done? You know, and then I mean, we wouldn't have this great story, would we? The first crow would never have pooped on the Brahmin's head. The Brahmin wouldn't have gotten angry. The goat girl would have stayed awake, and probably the goat, if he had any wisdom at all, would have realized it's not nice to be swiping, you know, somebody else's grain. And the elephants wouldn't have been hurt, and we wouldn't be sitting here talking about this tonight, and I would have had to find another story for my Dharma talk. But to, I think that just sort of shows us, you know, that, that there are many, many places along the progression of any story where if we put some effort and energy into taking care of the mind, um, things change, and... 
there's more wisdom and more compassion. So I think I'm going to stop there and see if there's questions or comments, and we'll continue the talk a little bit in that way. If there are any. Did it make sense? Sometimes I give talks and I have no idea whether they've really made sense. Michelle, please. Um, that, that made me think of another story uh-huh. that um, I, I actually heard in a movie that I was watching last night called The Interpreter um, with Nicole Kidman. And she plays this um, white African character and she's, she's telling this secret service agent um, about a tradition in, in her country, the you know, the, the tribe's people, when if a member of their family um, was killed, um, the, the tribe would, would essentially go out and capture the, the, the killer. Mm-hmm. And the, they would tie, up, tie them up, you know, tie their hands and feet so they couldn't, you know, struggle and throw them into the, the river or the lake or whatever. And the family would have a choice of saving the killer or letting him drown. And if they let him drown, they would have justice, but their minds would never be at peace. Mm. And if they saved the killer, if they mm. didn't mm. you know, act mm. on their need for vengeance, then their mourning would be over. Mm-hmm. And that was just sort of their... Mm. Wonderful story. Their, their, what their tribe or the people in her mm-hmm. country would need. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you follow your vengeance, then you'll never be free of, yeah. of the grief. Yeah. yeah. And it's so interesting how how easy it is to follow it and defeat it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Anyone else? Please listen. I think what I'm struck with in listening the story is um, the distinction about the wisdom of the effect involved in mm-hmm. those situations and how it is that we know what is right in those various choices. Sometimes it can seem like pushing harder I like I like it that you use the word discernment. That that place because that's it's it's a it's actually one of the ways that wisdom is translated sometimes. And where we really have to and sometimes we have to wait, don't we? You don't see right away what the wise, even what the wisest use of effort is. And you have to kind of step back and go, I'm not, I mean, that's like, <clears throat> the other night I had a, a meeting that left me a little upset and I'm driving home and I can hardly wait to get to my computer to write the email. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so this is not necessarily a wise use of effort. It's not. And fortunately, I had the sense to call my husband, who's very good at sort of sitting on me, and he said, don't send the email yet. So, you know, and so with some help, (laughs) 
then we created some space so that some way of responding to the situation could happen that was, I think, a great deal more skillful. And um, But we all know that. You wouldn't laugh if you didn't know that place, you know, where we just, we want to do that so fast. And sometimes we don't know. And we don't even know, we hardly even know what kind of effort to use. And maybe all you know is you have to wait. Waiting is almost always a, a good idea. Not always, but almost always. Please, Axel. I mean, I, I think a lot of this is is, <clears throat> is is very skillful and wise and makes sense. But there is an element here that I wanted to bring up, which is sort of a what happens to spontaneity if you live like that. And there's a famous story about about uh, uh, it's it, it's it's really an analogy to to a guy that that uh, you know he, he, what do you do when a snake starts climbing up your arm. Um, the spontaneous and thing to do is to is to basically, you know, you take the snake and you get rid of it. You don't think, you don't spend the time thinking, okay, what should I do now? Oh, there's a snake on my uh-huh, arm. Uh-huh. So, I mean, there's a certain trust that has to happen too, that you have a certain built-in wisdom sure. that can guide you. Sure. So, and I think sometimes this ha- all of this happens very fast. You know, I, it, 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 it takes time to talk about it the way we're talking about it now, but um, I think in in actual life, sometimes these kinds of processes, <gasps> what's that kind of what skillful question can happen pretty fast, and so it's often there's plenty of room for spontaneity. I think you're totally right. We need to have some. It's like a crow pooping on somebody's head. You know, well, frankly, you know, there's spontaneity and spontaneity, right? <laughs> and that's the thing. I mean, do I regret that the seagull pooped on my friend's head? Well, obviously I wouldn't be telling you the story if I completely regretted it. Because So, so it's, it's, a very, it's a very interesting place, I think. Yeah. Not always clear. Well, maybe that's enough. Did I miss anybody? Please. Um, so that loving kindness, that compassion uh-huh. that the wise crow generated in himself and, and, and brought with him. Um, so if, if that takes work... Mm-hmm. It does. <laughs> for, for most of us... Um, is it is it just practice? Is it just choosing over and over again to not uh, respond with vengeance or anger? Or it's choosing not to respond with vengeance and anger, and it's choosing to respond with kindness and warmth and compassion over and over and over again, so that you're actually doing. I often talk about doing kindness as well as feeling it. So that it's that that we do acts of kindness, and um, so he, you know, in the story, the the wise crow goes to the king out, not out of an accusing place, not out of I'm going to create a war because you're cooking all of my fellow crows, but out of this place of kindness, so that the king could could relax and soften and hear him, and then. Um, come to a different decision. 
So yes, that takes work, and I think that's why we do practices of loving kindness to begin to train the mind to go in that direction. So just let me ask one more please. Please. Um, so, uh, if so, I I have moments that, uh-huh. that I um, you know recognize that I'm not responding or I'm not thinking in a kind way or uh-huh. a compassionate way, and, and occasionally then I get a moment or you know. Uh-huh. Compassion, um, and you know, I get to hold that for about a second, and then you know, <laughs> is, is there just? I'm just wondering, is there? Is it just that's just what you need to do to recognize it for the moment and hope for another moment, and or recognize it and then practice sustaining it? Because remember, that's the the wise one of the wise efforts for a, a, a skillful state of mind. So you go. <gasps> Look at that. There's a little there's a little kindness there. So, you know, to just see, can I soften into it? Can I feel it? Can I say it? And it might be just saying it in your mind, you know, may you be happy or may you be peaceful, some some phrase of kindness. And and just allowing often, you know, we, we're going so fast that we just zip through a state like that and we don't really pay attention to it. So the invitation here is to really pay attention and let yourself be there for a while if you can and then to do the practices that that direct the mind toward that to that develop it to bring it about again and again what is interesting is if you do those practices if you do the practice of loving kindness of metta on a regular basis pretty much everybody i know who's done that says it works. The mind begins to go there more easily and more automatically. So I guess I mean it's like any other kind of training, right? It's like what you do when you go to the gym. You do, after all, get some strength and get some muscles in it. The mind gets a little kinder when we train it that way. Yeah, it's a good thing actually. So let me make a few announcements. Um, I want to give you a heads up because Marcy is teaching a day long. We've been trying to get her to do this for forever. This is Marcy Reynolds right here, who is our fabulous Qigong teacher. And so this is Sunday, March 30th from 9.30 until until 4.30. And it will be sitting and um, walking and Qigong. And anything else you want to say about it? Yeah, it's a great. Uh, it'll be a great retreat to come to if you're afraid to come to a retreat, because <laughs> <laughs> it'll be a you know it'll be you know a lot. Uh, it won't be long, long periods of sitting, and uh, and so there will be time for checking in and discussion and guided meditations as well as the movement, the different kinds of movement. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, to see if you can extend your. The mindfulness period. <laughs> March 30th. So it's 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 out ahead. So this is really a heads up. Um, and Carla Brennan's class on awakening joy, um, that is working with the the series that James Barris, who's a Spirit Rock teacher, has online, um, starts on the 26th, which I believe is Tuesday evening, here. Yes, here. Anyway, there's a flyer. Yes, here. From 5 to 7, there's flyers over there on the table. 
And then two other things that are a bit out in the future, but I definitely want to let you know about them. The first is the weekend of May 16th through 18th. Uh, my husband Russell and I are doing another couples workshop on the practice of relationship as a spiritual practice. And so any of you who are in relationship and might like to be in that workshop, there are flyers over there, and we would be really happy to have you. We've got a couple of slots left, not too many. Um, and then not too long after that, um, we are having our annual Vipassana Santa Cruz retreat on Memorial Day weekend. And so that flyer will be out, I hope, soon. So this is, And Marcy will be with us again to do Qigong at that, rela- at, at that relationship. <laughs> Crossing my wires. So um, both of those things are coming, and um, watch for them on the website or over here on the flyer table. Any other announcements? Oh, please, Isabel. There are two baskets by the door, one for the sound expenses and one for the teachings that give us the opportunity to practice generosity. So Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.